I saw a post on social media recently that suggested, as first reported by ESPN, Will Ospreay has signed a multi-year deal with WWE. And I haven't done any any sort of further investigation. Just seen the one post. Seen it show up twice. Um, and to be honest, though I haven't dug deeper into it, I don't think I believe it. Not right now. Will we see Will Ospreay in WWE eventually? You never know. But I think he's too much of a prominent figure right now in AEW with uh, the storyline between Don Callis and Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega. And though I don't think he's necessarily signed a contract with AEW, I think he's still too prominently involved there with that story. He also has an upcoming match at Impact's Bound for Glory pay-per-view and is a part of the Bound for Glory fallout. Now, the thing, though, is the Dudley boys have also reportedly signed a Legends deal with WWE, and you see Bully Ray is still a very active part of Impact Wrestling, so take it with a grain of salt. But right now, unless I'm shown otherwise, I'm not thinking Will Ospreay is in WWE just yet. It'd be nice to see him there, but I think right now he's where he belongs. I won't even say that, because I don't know if he's actually signed to any company, but he's in a good place. He's doing some great work in AEW, and he's got some upcoming great work in Impact Wrestling. Would I like to see Will Ospreay in WWE one day? I think he'd fit in really well. I think he could put on some great matches against some great stars in WWE. But right now, I think what he's doing is what's best for him uh, currently. So we'll see what happens in the future. But that's where I sit on that right now. It's time! Are you ready? Let's go! Let's start the show. And welcome to Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Cadillac. And guys, I'm going to be frank with you up front. Actually, before I do that, I just want to say, if you like the Johnny Cadillac theme song as much as I do, if you have a thing where you, you love downloading wrestling theme songs or whatever else, entrance music, shout out to my friend Brian Knapp, who was on last week's episode of Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk Podcast. The Johnny Cadillac theme song in its entirety is now available for purchase on all music streaming platforms. You have Spotify, Apple, Amazon, available everywhere. 99 cents. Go support my friend Brian Knapp and his work. And if you like the Johnny Cadillac theme, feel free to download it. I love the song. I have it on my phone. But, um... Just, uh, I'm kind of here recording kind of last minute. Um, I've been under the weather for a lot of the last week and just had kind of some interviews fall through, but I wanted to make sure to still bring a product of Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk to you this week. And so those of you who are faithful listeners to the show, you know, I don't really have a script for this. You know, there's, there's some episodes where we have a, a thorough whether it's putting together a match card or putting together a tournament and virtual booking, yada, yada. And then there's interviews with different guests. 
And then there's times where I just want to share my thoughts. And that's kind of why I'm here today. So I don't have a script. I don't know where I'm going. I'm just going to talk and uh, hopefully keep you along for the ride. Um, it's, it's an interesting time to be a wrestling fan. And I want to do a future episode. I think I mentioned this before. But one of these days, I'm going to do an episode that's all about wrestling pet peeves for me. And annoyances and things that drive me nuts as a wrestling fan. And, uh, spoiler alert, one of those things is just fan bases in general. To me, it's okay if you like one product more than the other, but just support wrestling. You know, fun fact, there's wrestlers in AEW who are good friends with wrestlers in WWE, where either party doesn't want to move to the other company. It's fine. I understand if you have your favorite brand, it's, it's natural to have a favorite of anything. And if you know me, I like to ask people, what's your favorite this? What's your favorite that? So it's okay. But what drives me nuts are the people who are so loyal to their brand that they go out of their way to bash the other brand. You know, oh, WWE is just all washed up people. It's not enough wrestling, blah, blah, blah. AEW is where it's at. Oh, AEW, all they're filled with is uh, is washed-up WWE rejects. And I don't know. I, I hear it all. I see it all. The internet wrestling community is a very vile, dangerous place. But to me, it's, it's okay to just be a wrestling fan. But lately, we have seen some signings um, kind of go to the other ship. And uh, it started with Jade Cargill. Now, I'll say this. Uh, Jade Cargill... I wasn't necessarily a huge fan of her in AEW. Um, she started off really hot right from the get-go. She, you know, stood up to Cody Rhodes. Cody at the time, I think he was still just Cody. I don't know. I don't remember. Either way, we all know who I'm talking about. She stood up to him. They were in a pandemic, and she was just one of those faces in the crowd, and all of a sudden she's in the spotlight, and she goes, look at me, I'm the total package, baby. And then Brandy Rhodes stands up to Jade Cargill with one of my favorite promos of the last five years, especially coming from Brandy Rhodes, who said, who told you that tonight was open mic night? And then just went off. I, oh, man. I need to go back and watch that again. It was just it was so, so good. Because it wasn't... I wasn't shocked to see Brandy Rhodes come out, but just how much on fire she was when she did just that. Man. And then it set up for a very weird match, you know, the idea was it was supposed to be Jade Cargill and Shaquille O'Neal against Cody Rhodes and Brandy Rhodes, but then Brandy was pregnant with their daughter Liberty, so she was uh, replaced by Red Velvet, and the two of Red Velvet and Cody Rhodes had a match against Jade Cargill and Shaquille O'Neal, and I mean it was it was good for what it was, I suppose. You know, Shaquille O'Neal went through a table and then was taken out in an ambulance, never seen in AEW again. And then Jade Cargill, very, very first ever match, pins Red Velvet in the end and uh, starts an unbelievable winning streak from there. And the nice thing was, like, again, I wasn't a big fan of Jade Cargill, but you could see her getting better and better at what she was doing every week. She had the confidence. She always had the confidence. But you could just see her her craft, her skill improving and the nice thing was, was like what she was doing, she didn't need AEW. She wasn't there to make money because she can make plenty of money outside of the wrestling world. 
she was just improving her craft as a wrestler. And I think she she did what she needed to do. She had a very memorable... She was the first ever TBS champion and a very memorable run at that before taken out by Chris Tatlander. And I, I've mentioned my little bit of frustration on how they went about doing that just to come back in AEW eventually and uh, get her rematch for the TBS championship and lose. And that was her, her way out the door. But I think she's far enough in her career now, even though just just a couple years at this point, that with her her stature and her built build and her confidence, that WWE, I think, is very much so a place that she can absolutely flourish. And I hope that, you know, she's just as good as I remember her being in AEW and WWE. I love to see these potential matches. I've heard people talking about her against Bianca Belair. I personally think she'd be great against Charlotte Flair. You know, there's Rhea Ripley, there's Raquel Rodriguez, there's similar stature. You know, there's a lot of people out there who want Jade Cargill and Nia Jax. But the nice thing is, because I was, I was curious, I, I think, though she hasn't been around as long, I still felt she was kind of too big of a name to start in NXT. And, I don't know, there's a lot of women on the NXT roster, and there's a few standouts. You know, you have Tiffany Stratton, you have Gigi Dolan, and um, you know, Roxanne Perez, Cora Jade, and, uh, but even though, I don't know, it's weird, because NXT is in a weird place to me right now. It's a good product, but, you know, you have plenty of wrestlers who've made established names on the main roster who are involved in NXT. Heck, you have Becky Lynch as an NXT Women's Champion, and it's doing good things for NXT. I think it's helping their ratings, it's helping get some more eyeballs on the product, and then on the flip side, you have you know, they uh, they sprinkle into the main roster here and there. And then you have Dominic Mysterio, now a two-time North American champion, who, you know, he's showing that North American championship each and every week on the main roster as part of Judgment Day. So I think NXT is in a good place. But I love the fact that Jade Cargill doesn't seem to be starting there. Because I think she's established herself in the short time that she's been wrestling as a star, where she can really stand out, and not in the same caliber that Ronda Rousey was brought in who many people felt she was just kind of forced down our throats i never minded ronda rousey i I thought she did good things in the ufc and so i was all for when she came to wwe i was like all right let's see what she can do there she's obviously a wrestling fan so uh and she she was good at what she did in ufc she was starting to lose in ufc her her time has kind of run its course in ufc so i felt like wwe was the fit and i don't know you know, she she got stale to a lot of people. I never fully turned my back. She was never necessarily my favorite women's wrestler, but I understood why so many people did get sick of her. Now, the thing is, Jade Cargill is completely different because she has a wrestling background from where she's coming from. AEW is a wrestling product, and she was a star there. So even though I wasn't necessarily a big fan of her in AEW, I'm very excited to see what kind of spotlight she can gain in WWE and the women's roster there and just all these potential matchups that she can mix it up with. I think she's, she can shine very bright in WWE and I'm, I'm very excited to see how it plays out. You know, all she, she's shown up at Fastlane and so Triple H greet her and that's it. And, you know, they're making the WWE, you know, Michael Cole on raw was saying, Oh, look at this greatest new, or this great new, uh, 
higher within Jade Cargill and how this is big kudos for WWE, the hottest free agent. And so they're building her up big. And I think, I think she can deliver. I'm just anxious to see her get involved. I want to see if she's on Raw or SmackDown. I don't watch enough SmackDown, to be honest, between uh, not always having the channel or having various other things going on on Friday nights or with the fact that I've been sick lately and so I couldn't really watch this Friday SmackDown because once I got off work, I just need to sleep. Um, but I don't know. I just I think Jade Cargill would be... She'd be shining bright on either roster, but I, personally, I'd rather see her on Raw. Now, here's the thing, though. We, we see those rosters get intermixed constantly, and um, I, that's... I get it, but it's still a little bit of a frustration for me. Why do we have the WWE draft? The, the idea between b by the original WWE draft in 2002 was that WWE didn't have any competition anymore. WCW was no more. And they're like, oh, what do we do now? Like, we need, still need to fire on all cylinders as if we had competition, but we don't have that competition to try to rise above. So they made competition with their in their own company. And they had Raw and they had SmackDown as two completely different entities. And it made sense. Well, now there is competition. You know, AEW has tried saying before that they they aren't wanting to be competition to WWE, but let's be real. We all know we all know there's a, that competition there. Uh, I mean, look at tomorrow's episode of NXT and and AEW's Title Tuesday. The rated R superstar Adam Copeland has his debut match for AEW, so NXT is bringing a huge episode of NXT using their own stars. You know, John Cena's coming in and managing Carmelo Hayes as he takes on Braun Breaker, who has who has Paul Heyman in his corner. And I'm anxious on that. I'm like, is you know, Braun Breaker, a lot of people are are wondering why he hasn't made it onto the main roster yet. They're wondering when his time's gonna come where he shows up and he's an active part of either Raw or SmackDown. But to have Paul Heyman in his corner tells me maybe Braun Breaker is showing up to SmackDown soon as a star is he going to have involvement with the Judgment Day? You know, it waits to be seen. And as I was watching Fastlane over the weekend, and it got me thinking that, so WWE was always relying on how big the uh, the bloodline is. You know, Roman Reigns is a forever champion, and uh, and they've they've stayed on on top on the SmackDown picture and the championship picture for so long with the Usos and now Solo Sokoa. And Paul Heyman and Sami Zayn was involved with them for a while. And then they kind of fizzled out. You know, they turned on... Well, Sami Zayn turned on them. The Usos eventually left. Jimmy then turned on Jay. It's, it's been a thing. Paul or Roman Reigns isn't there too often. And in the meantime, on the other side, on, on Raw, you have the Judgment Day rising. And, you know, of course, that was started with Edge. They kicked Edge out of Judgment Day. So now you have Rhea Ripley... And you have Finn Balor, and you have Damian Priest and Dominic Mysterio, and JD McDonough on the side. And I was watching Fastlane over the weekend, and it made me realize that, in a lot of ways, this reminds me way too much of what the Bloodline once looked like. And I say that with JD McDonough. If you you think about it, Sami Zayn wanted in the Bloodline so bad, but he wasn't actually a family member. He wasn't one of the, 
the members of the Samoan dynasty. So, though he was always involved with the bloodline, and, you know, it turned up Sami Zayn's stock big time, but he never was an official member. He was an honorary oos. He did so many things to shine, to show why he belonged in the bloodline, but he was never actually a member of the bloodline. So now you have Rhea Ripley, who has kind of taken the leadership role of Judgment Day, which I actually kind of like that. By We all know how much of a Rhea Ripley fan I am, but to me, I don't know. Really the only member of Judgment Day that's never really seemed like a leader of the group in any sort of way to me was um, Dominic Mysterio. But Rhea Ripley has really shown up, stepped up as a leader just by being gone for that couple weeks after Nia Jax came back. And Finn Balor and Damian Priest are listening. Now, Finn Balor is friends with J.D. McDonough. He wants, wants, I'm sure he'd want him in the Judgment Day. And that's exactly how it was with Sami Zayn. You know, Sami Zayn was friends with Jimmy Uso from the get-go. And Jay Uso was a little hard-headed, not knowing if he trusted Sami Zayn. And eventually Jay Uso caved and Sami Zayn joined them. And, uh, well, you know, Jay Uso accepted Sami Zayn. They got along. They had that moment at last year's Survivor Series War, Survivor Series War Games. But then it makes me wonder, you know, it's still very faction-heavy in WWE. And so, right now, the plan is for Survivor Series, which is just around the corner. That's going to be Raw versus SmackDown and kind of a bragging rights pay-per-view. But I keep seeing these factions show up. And, you know, Raw versus SmackDown, I've always liked that concept. But then I start to wonder, with these factions being as heavy as they are, will we see War Games come back? I mean, part of me hopes so. But I still like the original Survivor Series concept. Maybe War Games would be better for a different pay-per-view. War Games is over as a match. You know, the fan base loves War Games, and I definitely do too. But, I don't know. Remains to be seen. But J.D. McDonough really reminds me of how Sami Zayn was in the bloodline. You know, he's doing everything to help the Judgment Day. He got Damian Priest that new fancy Senor Money in the Bank briefcase. He's helped Judgment Day get constant victories, you know, Damian Priest and Finn Balor just lost the tag team championship, but he was a lot of the reason they won the titles in the first place. I think in the end it was Dominic Mysterio hitting Sami Zayn or Kevin Owens with the briefcase, but J.D. McDonough has been involved so much, yet Judgment Day is just not ready to fully bring him in. That's exactly how it was with Sami Zayn. Now, does this mean it turns J.D. McDonough into a huge star for a while? where then he goes to like Ireland and gets a championship match against whoever's champion at that point if it's not Seth Rollins like I don't really see history repeating itself there not yet anyway and I don't really see the fans behind JD McDonough all I'm saying is it reminds me a lot of Sami Zayn with the bloodline waiting on a tax return hopefully it ends up in your hands Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Of course, if we're going to talk about wrestlers jumping ship from one company to the other and I've kind of alluded to it already but I'd be amiss if I didn't talk about one Adam Copeland the rated R superstar and 
for for me it's it, it's an interesting feel. Um I think my biggest challenge for me and I think for a lot of wrestling fans is going to be not calling him Edge, especially when his music is pretty much the same. He's a rated R superstar in AEW as well. There's two other Adams in AEW that people are used to being Adams. Um so I'm I'm going to try just like I don't want to refer to Paul White as the Big Show. He's Paul White. Big Show is owned by WWE. Um selfishly, I'm I just wasn't ready to see Edge retire. We're now Adam Copeland retire and I think you know he the ship has ran its course for him in WWE. Especially with, I, I was reading that WWE in those later years were wanting him to only have like 10 matches a year. And he was wanting to do more. And it was weird to me because he'd be, he'd be involved in these different programs and then he'd be off for months and then he'd come back for one night and then he'd be off for months. And it was just, it always felt kind of bizarre to me and it made sense. And WWE, and I don't blame them for just trying to protect him. He did have to retire at one point. That was a thing. His neck was really severely injured. You know, they even had him on, like, the do not touch list for a while. And there was their safety protocol behind that. And, you know, if he feels that he's good enough to keep going, it's just like Brian Danielson. You know, he's having these top caliber matches in AEW as well, where he once retired in WWE and, you know, it's still you, you have to be careful these these are human beings here but i'm i'm all for it if if adam copeland wants to have a full-time return in or start in AEW you know and he's immediately working this program with Christian Cage he's got a match tomorrow night against Luchasaurus as title tuesday you know i'm i'm curious to see. i think it's an interesting fit for him um but again, it, he seems happy with this decision he made. It was very much so his de- decision to come to AEW. It's just a little, it's going to take some getting used to for me. I don't think he's ever worked for another company. So the fact that he's in AEW now, and again, not calling him Edge anymore, having to call him Adam Copeland when everything's still the same. But I'm willing to give it a chance. And uh, I'm I'm just happy I get to see see a good wrestler still wrestle. And uh, I'm just, I hope he's careful. Speaking of being careful, you know, his his uh, start in AEW coming out at the end of Wrestle Dream made sense in why they had hometown hero Darby Allin against Christian Cage in their two out of three falls match as the main event of Wrestle Dream. And, you know, I kept thinking it was going to be Brian Danielson against Zack Sabre Jr. That was a match they seemed to be building up the most, even though even though Zack Sabre Jr. wasn't necessarily there. But as far as the AEW storylines, this this match made sense. But it still, it felt a little weird to me to be a pay per view main event. But we just talked about I just we just talked about Adam Copeland and having to retire once before, and Brian Danielson having to retire once before. And I understand it was a pay-per-view main event, but I'm getting really nervous the more I watch Darby Allen matches. And I love Darby Allen. You know, he when AEW first started, I, I would say my favorite wrestler at that time was Hangman Adam Page because he was one I, I knew from Ring of Honor. I kind of liked his work. I thought he was a great up-and-coming star. So and just the interactions and what I've seen of him, I said, you know, he, he'd be a good favorite for me. 
And then it was that night when Darby Allen got his title shot against Chris Jericho in like the third episode of Dynamite, where Jericho duct taped Darby Allen's hands behind his back. And then Darby Allen was doing all these moves that you take for granted how much you really need to use your hands to do these moves until you can't use them. And it just opened up a whole new light for me. And I was like, wow, this Darby Allen guy, I, I like him. And he was my favorite for a while, and I still do. But it's just, he does a lot of stupid bumps. Like, all these things that happen to him. And, you know, there's a number of wrestlers who are this way. PCO and Impact Wrestling is the best example I can think of. But the guy's already old to begin with. So it's just even more baffling to see him do these insane things that he does in Impact. But see these crazy bumps that Darby Allen does. And, of course, at Wrestle Dream, the big thing was that body slam he took onto the stairs themselves, the steel stairs. And I was watching that with uh, Chad Peters, referee Chad Peters, and he goes, you, you can't kayfabe that. You know, those are real steel stairs. And, and you know, I, I think he tried to, you know, use his hand to kind of ease the fall, and then that messed up his wrist too. It was It was just a very brutal spot to see. But, you know, if he makes a career continuing to do all these insane bumps and these insane moves, and I don't know, I... I don't want him to be the next Dynamite Kid. You know, I, I mentioned in the, the cold open here about Will Ospreay, and he was he was viewed by many as reckless, and that his career wouldn't last another five years until a man named Chris Jericho kind of talks some sense into him. He's like, hey, you're a good wrestler, and I want to see you around. I want to see you in five years. I want to see you in ten years still being able to wrestle, but you got to tone it down. We don't want you to be the next Dynamite Kid. You know, everything with Chris Benoit is just... It's too real, and injuries are too real, and you take enough of these insane bumps, and I don't. They they just they have to run this their course. That they have to add up, and I want to be able to see Darby Allen still be able to perform in five years. For a man so small, he does so much in the ring, and I love watching his matches. For the most part, I'm just worried about the man's livelihood. You know, I don't want him to be in a wheelchair five years from now with a forever broken back. So, I don't know. I'm not a wrestling expert. I've talked to Brian Blade about it. I know he, he feels similar. I don't want to speak for him on this podcast when he's not here. But he feels similar about Darby Allen. And I, I just, I like what he does. And he's a good wrestler with what he does. But I tone it down on some of these insane bumps. The coffin drop's already a ridiculous enough move. Cause you don't really see where you're landing. And especially when he's missed the coffin drop. The first time he ever did the coffin drop in a match against Cody Rhodes, at least for AEW, and it was on the apron, and Cody Rhodes moved, and you know they talk about how that part of the ring is the hardest part of the ring. They mention that all the time, and he's taking a straight back bump onto it. So, I don't know. Darby, I, I like you, but please. I want to see you wrestling five years from now. So... I don't know. I don't know if you have these thoughts within your own head, if other people are talking to you. I'm sure you're not listening to this podcast, but that's how I feel right now. So I, I hope, I hope uh, he can, you know, just tone it down a little bit. Still bring that excitement action. He's very fast moving. He can do some great things without taking these insane bumps. You've proved your point. And you can have legendary status for it, but we want your life is more important. That's how I feel. Anyway, if we're talking about continued returns and um, 
jumping ship, so to speak. The internet's been going ablaze because now that CM Punk has been fired from AEW, it's looking more and more likely like we could be seeing CM Punk again in WWE, especially with Survivor Series being after his 90-day Survivor Series being in Chicago. And the more and more reports I'm seeing it's and sources close to CM Punk are confirming that's looking likely he shows up. And I'm nervous. I like CM Punk. I always have liked CM Punk. I thought what happened to him in the end of his time in AEW was wrongfully done. You know, maybe I'll get some backlash for saying that. Um, and I don't know. If I'm getting real brutally honest, the fact that Jack Perry still has a, ton, a job there where I still viewed him as the instigator and he was kind of that final straw when it came to the career of CM Punk. And I know it was because he got in Tony Khan's face and Tony Khan didn't feel comfortable. So it, it, it bothers me a little bit that there's not, even though we haven't really seen Jack Perry since that incident, it still bothers me. But I guess, you know, we'll just wait and see what, what's to come. But if CM Punk goes anywhere, publicity will be on that company tenfold, especially if he goes back to WWE after nine years being away from there. You know, I I felt like he was kind of regaining a little bit more of a passion again and um, kind of building some of those bridges when he worked for the show backstage. But apparently I was the minority in that. Um, but I think it kind of refueled his love for wrestling and kind of led to him showing up in AEW and being involved in AEW. So I hope, and I'm so glad that when Raw was in Chicago a number of months ago, whenever that was, and he, he showed up backstage and he talked to Triple H in public settings, and I think that was very professional of him to do, kind of build those bridges that have been broken for so long so that it could lead to a CM Punk return. But at the end of the day, the biggest... The biggest... Thing standing in CM Punk's way is CM Punk. He's got an ego. He's earned it. But he he's burned a lot of bridges, both in WWE and in AEW. And if he want, I don't know if he if he wants his name to forever go down as a great and not just a huge black eye. I mean, he he he's CM Punk has got to get to CM Punk. Hopefully. You know, he's talking more and more sense. Again, I, I still think things were kind of wrongfully done with him in AEW. Maybe that is bias on my end. Again, it, it amuses me, though, because I see so many fans, and it's been the same way with Cody Rhodes, and it's been the same way with Jade Cargill, who they like CM Punk one minute, and then he leaves, and then they're, they're bashing on him. And then he comes back, and they're loving him again. You know, when he signed to AEW, yes, their his first appearance was in Chicago, but the crowd went nuts and CM Punk even said during his initial promo like he wasn't expecting that to last because he was still the same Phil Brooks was still the same person and sure enough over time the fans just kind of went against him and uh you know there's that that whole incident with the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega and I think that was kind of what turned a lot of fans away and how he responded to things afterwards and I get it. And so when then AEW brought him back after his injury and they started Collision, there were a lot of people from the get-go who just were not ready to see him back. And there were a lot of people when when AEW fired him that were happy to see him go. I wasn't. But I understood, I understood that 
why some of the people felt the way they did. So I, I want him to be able to end his career on a positive note, whenever that may be. And WWE seems to always be the end-all, be-all. Even with some of these stars who make a huge name in WWE and then go over to AEW, well, they still end up in the WWE Hall of Fame one day, for example. You know, I know Van Damme's been doing work in AEW, and he's already a WWE Hall of Famer, and Edge is a Hall of Famer. I get it. But still, like, those Legends contracts and anything else, I feel like once you're really involved in WWE and you get to be a legend in the craft there and you get to have a big name, that really is where you end up in the end. You're you're kind of permanently signed to that long-term Legends contract even if you don't actually have one. Um, maybe I'm just spitballing here, but that's how I feel. Another return, though, Carlito. I hope his return at Fastlane... Now, when he came back at Backlash, I knew that was a one-off. And I was hoping it wouldn't be, but I knew it would be. And then rumor went wild months ago that he had indeed signed with the company, but he hadn't been seen. And he finally shows up at Backlash, and he teams with Santos Escobar and Rey Mysterio, taking on Bobby Lashley and the Street Profits. And I hope we see Carlito continuously from here. Um, Again, when he left WWE years ago, was not on good terms. He did not, I don't, as far as I know, he didn't ask for his release. Uh, they fired him, but he, he had it coming. He, you can see the passion just wasn't there for him anymore. And similar to how it was with Drew McIntyre and Cody Rhodes, he went on the indies and he had to build, build himself back up. And he got into tremendous shape and he started to realize some of his wrongs and he started to do everything right. And he showed up at that Royal Rumble years ago, a couple years ago. And the crowd went nuts. And he was in ridiculously good shape. And he was on Raw the next night, teaming with Jeff Hardy. And that was it for then. And I was like, man. It was just... Maybe maybe Carlito fits in WWE once again. And I so I hope... I hope, you know, whether he's a continual part of the LWO or does his own thing. I hope we see Carlito more. To the fact of, like... Say January, the Royal Rumble, he's not a surprise entry in the Royal Rumble. He's a WWE superstar who has a spot in the Royal Rumble match. So these are some kind of uh, observations and thoughts I've had over the last week, and really longer than that, that came to this recording of Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk Podcast. I know it's not your your normal, typical episode, but I hope you, you still enjoyed what you listened to. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk Podcast. Listen to me ramble for about a half hour. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you have things you agree with what I said, if you have things you disagree about what I said, contact me. Let's talk. I always like having these conversations, and I really appreciate your support. So this was another episode of Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Cadillac. And until next time, we will see you then. Have a good day, everyone.